0: So I immediately saw this opportunity that we could be their sort of plug-and-play solution for foreign language. And of course, what was appealing to me was the brand of PBS that was, you know, the 800-pound gorilla in my space.
1: Welcome to the Fueling Deals podcast, the podcast that teaches how to accelerate your business growth through all types of deals. It's time to fuel up, so buckle in with your host, Corey Kupfer. There are only two ways to grow your business organically through sales and marketing and providing great products and services, and inorganically through deals. Too many companies focus only on the first way organic growth. Welcome to the podcast, which will help accelerate your business growth inorganically. My guests are a huge variety of deal makers and experts on all types of deals who have personal experience that can help you grow, get clear, learn best practices, and avoid mistakes. We discuss everything from large, complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My guest today is Julia Pimsler. She is the founder and chief empowerista of Million Dollar Women, which runs an online business school, Million Dollar Women Masterclass, and an annual William Million Dollar Women Summit in New York City for high-growth women entrepreneurs. Prior to Million Dollar Women, Pimsler was the founder and CEO of Little Pim, the leading language teaching system for young children. During her nine years as CEO, Pimsler raised Angel and Venture Capital and discovered that only three percent of all women entrepreneurs reach a million dollars and only four percent of venture capital is invested in female founders. To help change those stats, she started teaching women how to run and wrote her bestseller, Million Dollar Women, the Essential Guide for Female Entrepreneurs Who Want to Go Big. Her mission and Million Dollar Women is to help one million women get to one million dollars in revenue. Um, and uh, the rest of our bio is going to be on the, uh, you know, in the show notes. I mean, she's appeared on, uh, you know, major TV stations and NBC, uh Spirit and Forbes, CNBC, Business Week, all that kind of stuff. She's worked with hundreds of women, many of whom have reached, uh, reached a million in revenue. And uh, Julia is a friend of mine. We met through Entrepreneurs' Organization. We served on the board together. And uh, I love the fact that I have you on the podcast, Julia.
0: Corey, it's so great to be here. What fun. Can't wait to dive in.
1: I love it. So before we get into, you know, all your experience in growing businesses and training women and doing deals uh, and what you're doing now, I want to take you back. And when you were growing up as a little girl, what did you want to be? Because my guess is it probably wasn't uh, training a million women to make a million dollars when you were a kid, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: (laughs) Well, it's funny. I started out wanting to be a writer. I wrote stories as a young child. I had a typewriter, so that dates me a little bit. And I remember loading up the paper and typing out these stories, including uh, something I've never talked about before, but I can talk about it here now with you, with a trusted friend, which was a series of uh, cat stories. I uh, had a main character that was an alley cat, and there was a series of about 10 stories about his adventures in New York City. I grew up in New York. And my mother tried to have them published. I remember they did not get published, but I did read them all aloud to my fourth-grade class. So that was those were my beginnings as a.
1: I love it! I love it! I love it! Hey, hey, maybe now that like cat, uh, you know, memes and videos are all the rave on uh, on YouTube, maybe you know you should pull that back out and That's right. Maybe there's it. something I
0: can repurpose that for.
1: <laughs> exactly. Or maybe um, it
0: was early shades of Little Pim, You know, my little language teaching character started so as a cat, became a panda.
1: <laughs> I love it! I love it! And uh, what would, uh, if you had to say what your first real business is, whatever that meant to you, whatever that means to you, what was your first real business?
0: You know, when I was in film school in France, I went to the uh, National Film School of France, and I started a conference there that international students paid to come attend. So it wasn't really a business per se, because I was still a student, but I think it was the first time I realized, okay, I can educate people, I can add value, people will pay for this. And they flew in from all over the world for this producers conference, which uh, we didn't even have the Internet then. It was crazy. I was like receiving faxes at three in the morning from Russia you know, to get people there from <laughs> Russia and Africa and Poland. I remember. So that was probably my first time that I, you know, marshaled resources, got people into one place and provided value and reaped the rewards of that.
1: Well, I love it. I mean, considering that part of what you do now is run this, uh, you know, phenomenal conference, uh, I'm sure that was uh, that was good, uh, good experience.
0: You're so doing it now with the internet.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk, uh, let's talk a little bit now. I mean, obviously, we, uh, I raised some of it in your bio, but, but just, you know, give people, um, listeners, the bottom line on, you know, what, is, what are you doing now? What's your mission? Because I know for you, it's a mission. And, uh, you know, and, and, and who are you looking to help and why?
0: What I'm doing now at Million Dollar Women really comes straight out of my own personal experience of growing my first business, Little Pim, up into the multi-millions. It was so hard along the way. I remember I got to about 40,0, 500000 and I was just working day and night, Corey. I remember it was like I had two little kids at home under the age of six, and I would come home and get back on the computer after dinner and you know, try to deal with the kids and do the business and work in six days a week, and I just got so exhausted and kind of burned out even though I loved helping parents be their kids' first language teachers, you know, I had this language teaching business. And that was when I fortunately found the entrepreneurs organization and the accelerator program that showed me a different way of working, completely different than how I was running my business, which really was like solo printer nightmare, you know, where I was just trying to do everything from answer the customer emails to fix the broken links on the website, to do all the invoicing, to designing the product and that really was not going to get me to a million ever, frankly, but I just didn't know that at the time. So when I got exposed to this whole other way of working, it really changed my mindset. It changed how I did my work. And then I wound up, as you mentioned, raising you know 2 million in venture capital, scaling up the company, getting up into the multi-millions. And that was when I also got informed about how few women actually get there, because it's fewer than 3% of women get to a million in revenues. And if you're a woman of color, it's fewer than 1%. And very little VC money getting invested into women-run companies, it goes between 2 and 4%. So that's really what galvanized me to say, hey, how can we change these statistics you know, in my lifetime? Because this just seems so crazy that so few women were getting to a million, which is really just getting off go in the business world. And, you know, I didn't go to business school. I don't have a finance background. I had to learn it all on the job, and I wanted to make it easier for other women who were facing these similar obstacles to get over them more easily than I did and get to that million-dollar mark.
1: And so what are the offerings that you have now that help people do that?
0: We created an online group coaching program, Corey, so that more women can go through the program. When I first wrote million dollar women and it sold about 10,000 copies from Simon and Schuster I had women contacting me from all over the country saying, "Well, hey, I want to do what you did. You know, I want to scale up my business." So I did a little bit of one-on-one coaching but quickly realized that wasn't scalable and since my mission has been to help 1 million women get to 1 million in revenues, I knew I'd have to find a solution that graduated, you know, a lot of women at a time. So we created this online business school with my team And it's a way for women in four months to learn how to completely change their business from one where they are what I call the octopreneur, which is the entrepreneur with eight arms, like an octopus, doing everything, uh, to one where they're the leader, enabling other people to do the work and starting to really scale faster
1: it's a, it's absolutely you know huge and and listen you and I know each other from EO, Entrepreneurs organization and and um
0: yeah you were my mentor there i owe a lot of this to you i mean it
1: well that's that's so sweet of you to say uh you know but that, i mean that that organization really uh, helps us, right, you know, on uh, how to create businesses that aren't totally dependent upon us and the Accelerator Program is committed to bringing people from a quarter of a million in revenue uh, or above up to over a million, And you know, and, and, and I remember, you know, you, you, you led that and share that so wonderfully. So, you know, you steeped see, you in this. So, uh, you know, what are some of the key factors in, in getting, uh, you know, businesses up? I mean, my, her building team is clearly one of them, so you're not that entrepreneur. Uh, what are some of the other factors in getting people, uh, you know, to, to achieve that?
0: Well, we see specifically for women entrepreneurs that there's a lot of work to be done around mindset, that we're often not socialized to be as comfortable with risk-taking, with managing the finances with figuring out how to kind of reverse engineer a big success story. So we work a lot on mindset in million dollar women masterclass. And then we move quickly after that sorted out into finances, sales and distribution deal making, which I know, you know, that's your expertise. We definitely teach that because you can grow your business so quickly. Sometimes you're just one or two deals raising capital. And we also do a lot of work around marketing efficiency and being in powerful networks.
1: That's great. So yeah, so let's uh, let's obviously you know this is a deal making podcast. So let's let's talk about the deal making aspect of it. You know, when people think about deal making, they'll often think about raising capital, which is part of what you certainly have done on your you know yourself and and also teach people. Or they'll think about you know big mergers and acquisitions. they will think about big companies that buy other companies. And one of the things that they uh, a lot of people don't realize is that there are so many other types of deals out there: strategic alliances and partnerships and joint ventures and licensing deals, etc. So talk to me a little bit about. Your your experience with deals and, and also what some of the opportunities are for your entrepreneurs that you work with to do deals.
0: Yeah, for me, making strategic deals early on at Little Pym, my language teaching company, was so critical to our growth and how we did get over a million. I remember early on, I went to a trade show and we were just a very young company, maybe making, I don't know, 300,000 in revenues, did not have a big footprint in this very crowded, language teaching space we were in, although we were one of the few programs for young children. We were a multimedia video series at the time, and I remember going to a children's trade show and meeting the folks from PBS who were, you know, the dominant players in kids' education, certainly at the time, and I went over to their booth and said, oh, so, you know, how are you teaching kids? And they had a whole platform, gaming platform that taught them math and reading and science, and I said, well, how about foreign language? And they're like, oh, no, we don't don't offer that. So I immediately saw this opportunity that we could be their sort of plug and play solution for foreign language. And of course, what was appealing to me was the brand of PBS that was, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in my space. So I told them what we were up to and created a follow up meeting. And within the space of a very short time, we had made a deal where we were producing the first foreign language teaching game for young children on the PBS platform. And so that in itself was a win. But what we were able to do with that is I think the most important piece, which is we then put a sticker on every single DVD we were selling at mass retail that said as seen on PBS. And that alone was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales to have that strategic alliance with PBS when we were such a new small player in the space
1: that's that's such a great example and i love the fact that you did that deal at such an early stage because it really does help blow up the myth that only big
0: companies do deals that's right it's really about looking at what the opportunities are where you can be the missing piece in somebody else's puzzle right because i think so often as entrepreneurs we get stuck thinking that you know everybody's looking for something we don't have when in fact we may have something people are looking for we're just not uh you know going to the right trade shows and positioning ourselves in the right way.
1: So, you know, one of the other things you did is raise capital. And and listen, let's face it, uh, even though the the percentages are, are dismal for women and certainly women of color, as you said, Overall, I mean, and they're much worse than, than, than for men and certainly white men, but even you know, even with white men, there's only, there's only a small percentage of companies that are actually going to raise money and that are actually fundable, right? Most sure. companies most companies are never going to raise capital, and, and most companies shouldn't raise capital. Or there are other types of deals they're going to do. So talk to me a little bit about the companies that do raise capital or should raise capital and how they do it versus you know, the companies that should maybe be looking at other types of deals because
0: they're not really fundable. Yeah, we talk about this a lot in my online business program, Million Dollar Women Masterclass. If you don't have a company that has a really high revenue potential, you know, minimum twenty-five million and hopefully more like a hundred million or even a billion, then you're not gonna be that attractive to venture capital. It's that's not the place where you wanna go look for your funding. Now there are angel investors who will take a bet on a company that's not going to have that big a revenue horizon, but Not all companies are set up for raising venture capital. I think venture capital gets a lot of the media attention. And when people haven't done their homework yet about the different kinds of capital, they think that's the only way to go. But there's crowdfunding, there's angel funding, there's good old, you know, friends and family. And then there are the strategic deals that can bring in just as much capital as, you know, one of these big VC or angel investments.
1: That's right. So, so uh, you know, there are, so, so the companies that aren't going to raise capital um, that you work with, what, what kind of other types of deals do you see them uh, do, doing? Any good stories or examples for the listeners?
0: Well, we do have a lot of women who haven't yet figured out how to get a bank loan. And even though that sounds really basic, you know, it's not that easy to get a loan when you're a relatively new company. And so we had one woman, I remember, who really needed to finance her business. She was selling into major hotels and had flooring and drapery and a lot of products that required capital for inventory. And she'd never, ever taken out a dime from the bank and was very nervous about going to try to get a loan. You know, she knew the stats that actually women and minorities tend to not have as easy a time getting a loan. and was a little fearful about that. But she joined our program and did the whole mindset module and was all fired up. And our, she told us that she went to the bank and walked into her local bank and said, you know, I've got this great business and I'm looking for a $60,000 loan. And she had all her paperwork figured out. And they said, well, that looks really, you know, promising, but no. <laughs> <laughs> out, No. And she says she turned on her heel to leave. And then she thought, no, wait a minute. This is not happening. Like This is exactly what they were talking about in masterclass. So she turned around and she said to them, I don't think you really understand my business. You need to come with me to my home office. And she took two bankers with her back to her home (laughs) office. They spent five hours with her going through all her books. She showed them all of her samples, all the potential orders, and she got that $60,000 loan.
1: Oh, what a great story! Right, because you know it's uh, it's interesting to me. I mean, I think uh, I think maybe as entrepreneurs we're better at this, but I, I see it in many places in life where people take a no for a no, right? Whether it's whether it's whether it's when they call customer service, and you know, I mean, I I, I, had a, I, had a, I won't go into the details, but I had a recent thing, you know, uh, recently uh, with one of the airlines where I had uh, spent some money on mileage and then I didn't need it, whatever. And I I called them up. I said, hey, I want to I want to you know, get my money back, and and and, and we uh, uh, put the mileage back in, and they said no, no, it's it's non-refundable, and they said it right on the website, and you know, and I said, you know, let me speak to your supervisor, right? Uh-huh. She comes back, speaks to the supervisor, and says, no, no, we still can't do it. I said, I said, okay, let me speak to your supervisor. Next thing I know, they go back. Oh, I spoke to a different supervisor. We can do it, right? So you know, <laughs> it's it's like,
0: you know, an entrepreneur, no, that's really right. not. Right but, fires them up <laughs> it's
1: exactly so i it's the reason i love that story because my you know my example is a little tiny example over whatever a few hundred bucks um but you know the example of of your uh you know client that woman who went in and you know and got a sixty thousand dollar loan you know I, I just love that and that mindset shift you know one of the things i often ask people and i'll you know and i'll maybe we'll go down this road a little bit right now because we, we we touched on it is um you know, is that there is a different mindset of being an entrepreneur. There's a different mindset about being a deal maker. There are people who are deal makers and people who aren't, right? And yeah. so, you know, that, that persistence, that not taking no is certainly uh, one of the characteristics of being a deal maker. Any other thoughts on on other characteristics of being well, a Well, I maker?
0: also want to share that, you know, that was such an empowering experience for her. And now she has gone out and raised other funds. She got some really big clients. Somebody she worked with years ago just called her up and said, you know, I've been watching you and I want to do a partnership with you. He's from Europe and has a whole different market than she has here. And they're now joining forces and doing this mega deal that's going to be like a bigger deal for her. So it's really exciting. And, you know, I do think that's why I know you and I are on the same page about this, that like business is like 75% mindset, right? Right. And 25% skill set and network. At least that's what we teach in Million Dollar Women. Because once you get the mindset right, Then, you know, you really know what you have to offer and you're willing to go to the mat to figure out, you know, right, how to get those deals done.
1: So so what are some of the other limiting beliefs and and mindset challenges that people, you know, uh, run into that you have to help them get by to be able to be successful in business, whether it's through deals or just, you know, just growing business otherwise?
0: Well, a big one we see is people feeling like they're not ready. And I don't think this is specific to women because a lot of entrepreneurs feel like, oh, I'm too small. You know, we haven't had enough traction. But I see this a lot in my community. And that's why our hashtag this year at the Million Dollar Women Summit was hashtag go big now, because there is no better time than now to go big, right? You'll never be younger. You'll never be more ready. You'll never be more confident. You'll never have more money in the bank. Sometimes you just have to say, I'm, I'm going for it. And so we've seen that sometimes we can help each other to get into that state. It can be hard to get there alone. And I think you and I both experience the power of being an EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization, surrounded by other people who have this, I'm just going to make it happen mindset. And so I think for entrepreneurs who are feeling a little hesitant about, oh, am I really ready? Could I really walk over to that you know, PBS booth and say, hey, I've got the leading language teaching program for kids. You should want to work with me. Right? How do you get into that state if you're not in that state? I think a lot of it is about surrounding yourself with other high growth, high energy, ambitious people so that you can, you know, take those risks. What do you think, Corey? How do you get in that state?
1: No, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, listen, it's, it's uh, not only, I mean, when you get to see that other people do it, you know, it's easy to say, well, why not me? Yeah. And then, and then listen, sometimes, um, you know i, I mean we 're both such big advocates for spending time right with with you know whether it 's such entrepreneur's organization or other places you know where other people who are crazy like us right and want to <laughs> build businesses you know uh, as live and you know and there have been times in my life where I have had people who have um, actually been able to see more in me than I was able to see in myself at that time, and you know that 's another great thing because not only do you see other people do it, but there are times when people no, like they can see your uh the possibility for you and your capabilities and capacities even more than you can and and they're sometimes you start with their faith in you and then you get your own faith in yourself
0: absolutely that's right so surrounding yourself with people who you know can see your potential and are super positive and also make it possible for you to fail right because everybody who's having you know these great wins that they're posting on social media and their company's killing it, you know, ask them about all the ones that didn't work, (laughs) right? Because no one gets there without a whole bunch of failures along the way. I'll never forget after I wrote Million Dollar Women, the book, I got all excited about doing this national campaign, this national tour I was going to do. And, you know, I kind of wrote all these proposals and tried to raise money and it just did not work at all. And about a year or two later, I was teaching my master class, and I already had about 80 graduates. We now have about 200 graduates. We're scaling really quickly. And I found in the back of my file cabinet this, you know, manila folder that said Million Dollar Women Campaign. And I pulled it out, and, you know, it kind of pained me to read these proposals that I'd written that hadn't gotten funded. But I thought, wow, well, it's actually a good thing that didn't work, because I've got two kids at home. I don't really want to go on a national campaign city to city. Instead, I'm helping thousands of women, you know, from my office here in New York and get to spend time with my kids. But it was, the big vision was birthed through that campaign, even though that campaign never happened.
1: So one of the lessons I hear in that is that, you know, well, one, I mean, as we know as entrepreneurs, not, not everything's going to work, right? So we got to yeah. work, you know, exactly a lot, a lot more. And, um, you know, and, and then the other thing is, you know, there's always, you know, I, I when you get to the point where you say, hey, it didn't work for a reason and there'll always be something better is when you're in great shape. Um, so any other lessons that you've learned from uh, from things that didn't work during your uh, your career in terms of any kind of deals or business relationships? or
0: My biggest failure was because I didn't have the right Lawyer, right? I needed you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you? So
0: <laughs> no, I wrote about bits and million dollar women, but we signed a deal that was a really huge, excellent deal at the time when I was at Little Pim, where we were got national distribution at Barnes and Noble for our DVDs, and we had to use a middleman because they wouldn't take directly from us because we were so small. So we had this middleman based in Florida, and he was taking the money in from Barnes & Noble, we would send him the DVDs and he would fulfill the orders to their national stores. Well, that all worked great until he kept not paying us. (laughs) Started saying, well, what's going on? You were paid, I think it was, you know, 180,000, you know, by Barnes & Noble. Like, when are we getting that money? And first thing he did was change the deal from one where he paid it out on time, which is what we had decided, to almost like a consignment deal. He was like, well, I'll pay you when they sell the DVDs. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, no, no, that wasn't the arrangement. But that was our first sign that things were not on a good track. So he was kind of trickling money to us, you know, like $2,000 at a time. And then he got very belligerent with us when, you know, we were trying to get back to the original deal. And the next thing you know, the guy declared Chapter 11. Mm-hmm. Done. Gone. Took, you know, $150,000 of our money with him. He'd only paid out 30000 and it was devastating. And it was because, you know, we hadn't signed an airtight deal with him. I was trying to save money as a small company. You know, I had a lawyer look at it, but we didn't go all the way down the line and make sure it was airtight. And I felt horrible. It was such a huge failure. I lost so many nights of sleep over that. And it was a big blow for a company only making, you know, 600000 We lost 150000 on the spot. So that was probably my most challenging Failure. That's
1: huge. That's huge. So, so, so. In, in addition to obviously, you know, get a good lawyer, do a good contract. Uh, any other lessons that you learned, uh, you know, out of that, or some of the uh, other early challenges?
0: Well, I think you know, I actually became a pretty good deal maker, and I teach sales now, and and help my women make really tight strategic partnerships. I think that getting into that frame of mind where you think about everything that could go wrong and putting it into the contract. And, you know, really buttoning it down was my big lesson learned because I think I was just too trusting, frankly. You know, I thought, well, you know, he's got, I've got good intentions. He's got good intentions. You know, what what could go wrong? (laughs) You know, as a lawyer, everything could go wrong. So I think I'm much better now at looking at, you know, even the remote possibility of what could happen and, and planning for that.
1: That's great. You know, and, and for me, that's not just a matter of, you know, drafting a good legal document, but it also comes into the due diligence you do on which partners you do deals with.
0: Well, very good point. That's true. And, you know, he was recommended by Barnes and Noble, who we had done the deal with. So we, you know, probably should have done more research, but thought, well, they're the big player and they said to work with him. And you're right. That's probably something I wouldn't do anymore today.
1: Great, great. Any other last thoughts on on uh, on uh, deal making or uh, you know business growth that you want to leave the audience with before I ask you uh, what will be my last couple of questions?
0: Yeah, you know I'm just a big believer in what they call the water around rocks mindset, which is you know if you see a big boulder there, you know think make turn yourself into water. It's kind of an old Buddhist notion that you should make like water moving around rocks. And I find that when I can keep that mindset in my business, where anything that comes up, that looks like a big obstacle, just do what water does and find a way around it. And that's certainly what's kept me, you know, sane and moving forward through my various ventures. I'm on my fourth career, and I'm able to help now, you know, thousands of soon to be a million women grow their businesses, but I would never have been able to do that if I hadn't found a way to hold on to that mindset of just getting around obstacles because like you, like every entrepreneur, right? There've been a lot of times where it would have been easy to just say, okay, it's not meant to be, but I think cultivating that mindset is really critical and surrounding yourself with people who believe in you and coaches and mentors who can help you see the best in you. Like you were saying earlier, Corey is critical.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. We we know each other well enough to know some of the ups and downs of our, uh, of each other's businesses and lives. Right. And, 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 uh, and listen, being, uh, you know, being around, you know, my clients are, uh, you know, uh, largely entrepreneurs, uh, being around EO and, you know, hundreds and thousands of, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, when, when you really, what you really find is that, there are obstacles for all of them. Nobody nobody's an overnight success. Nobody really has it easy. Everybody's been through stuff. And I think, you know, that, that that I love that image of the, you know, water around rocks because I think that's a great way to define what an entrepreneur is, you know, is somebody yeah. who's not gonna get stopped by that rock.
0: That's right. And, you know, helping each other get around the rock when it feels too big. You know, is something that (laughs) I've done for each other, too. So thank you for that.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And and Julia, you you know, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of yours. Um, So
0: um, you've helped the women in our community time and time again. So I really want to thank you for that. I teach a lot of what you taught me about negotiating and deal making. And so you have helped a lot of women in our community already. Corey, thank you for that.
1: Uh, well, well 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 thank you and 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 uh uh you know listen uh, people I, I, I think you've just gotten a little taste of uh of what uh you know Julia and her programs and her you know uh, her uh conference can you know can do so uh, I'm sure people want to find out more uh about you julia what's the best place for them to go to find out more information about what you're up to and and your
0: programs? They can go to scalewithjulia.com, so S-C-A-L-E, scalewithjulia.com, and I've got a short video there that brings up some of the challenges that women face when they're scaling up, so they can see if any of those resonate with them, and then there's a way to set up a call with me and my team if they want some help with their business and figuring out what their next acceleration moves are. It's called an accelerate session, so that's probably the best way to, to find out if we have something that can help them.
1: That's great. That's great. So my final question for you is one I ask every podcast guest, and you know you know me well enough to know that authenticity is one of my highest values, and there's uh, a reason why my book's called Authentic Negotiating. And, uh, and for me, authenticity is not about any kind of external values or morals or ethics, uh, but it's really about that alignment between what's true, what we're here to do, what's true for us, what our inner truth is, and how we live our lives, run our businesses, and do our deals. I'd love to hear about you know how you relate to authenticity and how it impacts your life and business uh you know and what your thoughts are on it
0: yeah that's such a critical piece for me too because i feel like when you start out with your business you look at all these other entrepreneurs and successful people and think well they must have some you know magic dust that i don't and then the further you travel down the entrepreneurial road you realize that everyone's just you know trying to figure it all out doing the best they can and also looking for, you know, help and inspiration. I call it the flying buttresses in my book, which is the people who help lift you up and keep you strong. So for me, a lot of what I do is about making sure that women coming up behind us and men, too, but I'm mainly working with women, um, are able to bring their full selves to their businesses and their lives and not feel like they have to show up in an inauthentic way where they have to pretend that, you know, they know how to go get a bank loan or raise capital or pretend that they have all this mega confidence around growing their business. Those are things that a lot of us needed help with. I know I did. So I try to share those stories and be really authentic about, you know, the time I was crying on my couch at little Pim because we just lost all this money and I didn't know a way forward and I wasn't going to get off the couch. Until I got a text from a dear friend who, you know, had been there and could speak to that. So I think a lot of authenticity for me, Corey, is about sharing what are those real tough moments that I've been through, that everyone's been through, and making sure that other entrepreneurs coming up feel comfortable to seek help, seek community, and have this sort of support system that you and I know is necessary to actually not only survive, but build a big successful company.
1: Yeah, that willingness to be vulnerable, you know, and it's becoming more acceptable these days, right? You know, uh, not to walk around with that mask on, but really be able to speak our truths.
0: That's right. And it always helps somebody else, you know, who's in that same boat. Every time I share a story that feels sort of vulnerable to share, I realize, you know what, somebody probably needs to hear this today, because I certainly was that person in many audiences over the years building my business where I thought, oh, that happened to them too? Okay, I don't feel so bad. Let me, let me go back to work and figure out a way to make it, make it better.
1: Julia, thanks so much for being on the podcast.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure, Corey. Always great to talk to you. And I love what you're doing, helping people to make deals and be authentic and you know, figure out how to grow their businesses inorganically. That's a cool term that I hadn't heard. So thanks for sharing that.
1: I Love it. And thank you, Fueling Deals listeners, for tuning in. Remember, there's only one difference between companies that grow inorganically and those that don't. And it's unrelated to size, amount of capital, or any other factor. Other than that, the owners and executives of companies that do deals make a decision to do deals. And then they take action. Well, it's time to refuel. So until next week, Corey Kupfer signing out. Thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to leave Fueling Deals a rating and review on iTunes and Google. Check out all our episodes at FuelingDeals.com to find out more resources to accelerate your business growth.